You are listening to the Fuerte Network. Bienvenidos a todos. Welcome back to Migrants on Air, an immigration podcast. My name is Carlos Alberto, and I am here with my co-host, Karina Dominguez. Karina, ¿cómo estás? Hola, hola. Estoy muy bien. Excited to be back with another episode. But yeah, how are you, Carlos? Bien, bien, todo bien. So, um, I don't think I've, like, talked about it on the podcast or anything, but me mudé a Seattle, y pues ha estado bien nublado y un poquito, este... Deprimido, pero ahora ya es la primavera, <laughs> ya el sol está, ya está saliendo. I'm super, super excited for summer and for, you know, the sun to come out and to do things outside. This is my first time living somewhere where there's seasons. You know, Karina, you're in Phoenix. Yes. So I've heard that the summer and summer's already started. <laughs> oh, yes. We're like at, I think we're at 80 something today, which is actually 86. It's actually pretty nice outside right now, but definitely during like midday, it feels like summer. No, oh my god, no! Nah. <laughs> here it's like forty-six degrees. Oh my um, god, that's winter. Not, I, it's it's still winter, <laughs> but this weekend it's supposed to be seventy-six. So uh-huh. super super excited for that. And you know, I get to go home. I think next month, and I'm really excited to see my parents. The theme of this like episode and what we're gonna talk about today is advanced parole. But again, like going to see your family, travel, the ideas of returning home. Like, you know, I've never traveled outside of the country, but like now that mm-hmm. I'm somewhere outside of my parents, I feel the need to come home to like visit them. So I think the things that our guest today is going to talk about, I think I'll, you know, resonate like a little bit with that. This is my first time living away from home. So I think I can resonate with the idea of wanting to like visit and go back home and, you know, like flights are expensive. So sometimes like I'm not able to, but I'm really excited to get to talk with our guest speaker and ask her everything about her experiences with migration, but also with advanced parole and going back home. Yeah, I'm also really excited just because I've been getting, I feel like I mentioned TikTok on every episode, but (laughs) (laughs) I've been getting so many TikTok videos on my For You page about people going back to, to their home country on advanced parole and kind of making those like little aesthetic videos with like the sad music in the background. Uh, They always make me cry. But yeah, I'm really interested to see like how that experience was like for people, especially for maybe people who, you know, were like babies when they came to the U.S. and maybe don't have like much recollection of how it was in their home country. And also Mm -hmm. like people who who were a little bit older. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation and I'm excited to talk to her. Yeah, and I've known um, our guest speaker for a really long time, so I'm really happy that she was able to go and, you know, visit her her hometown and, and visit her family members. You know, I've, I have the privilege of being able to apply for the permit, too. I just haven't done it. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with y'all, like, it's, it's expensive, you know, like, I think the yes. cost is around $595, so I don't know. I don't think I've ever had the, you know, I, I'd be spending money, so <laughs> I've never had the money to do it, but no, my friend really... Uh, our guest speaker really inspired me to, you know, put the dedication towards it because she had an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited for you all to listen to it and to listen to her story. I think it's really inspiring. And she's such a beautiful soul and a beautiful person. Like, um, and I'm so happy she was able to go back home. Yes, so excited. I, d- I did want to ask, Karin, I know as someone who wasn't eligible for DACA, how do you feel about mm-hmm. advanced parole and, you know, like uh, being able to like apply for for like that, that privilege, I guess. Like, is that something that 
in my mind, like, I think that should be available to more people, you know, like, I know the government has things such as like, humanitarian permits to to come and go. So how do you feel about the program? And do you think something like that should be open for other instances and for other like, individuals outside of the, that program? Yeah, honestly, I feel like the conversation on advanced parole is pretty new in terms of DACA, just because, you know, it was closed for so long. And now that it's finally like open back up again, people have been able to, it's been for about a year, no? It hasn't been that long since it opened up again. But yeah, people have been able to like go back. And I don't know, I think, honestly, that's one of the things that I think is really cool about DACA that you're able to to go back but at the same time like just the circumstances that they let you go back for sometimes they're not even like accessible for some folks or you know they just make it really complicated and like the fact that you have to ask to go back like it's a crazy concept like that shouldn't exist like we should all be able to go back to move back and forth but yeah definitely I think if I had the opportunity to do it, I really would want to do it. The only thing that I feel like would really hold me back is like the emotions, like the unknown, because you have this idea of your home country in your head that was stuck like on the year that you came, right? So like for me, that was in 2007. Like that's what I remember of Mexico and like of Michoacan. So just to think of going back in 2023, it's like, well, like, all of the things that have probably changed like this might not be the best comparison but I remember when you know I was in middle school I was in in my school cafeteria and it felt so big and then later on when I was like in high school I went back and I was like wow this place is tiny like it's (laughs) not how I remember it so in my head that's how I think I'm like dang if I were to go back to like Mexico I was so little so maybe just like going everything is going to look so tiny there's just so many emotions that come with it and I'm just happy that people have the opportunity to go do that no yeah I think it's such a tough conversation just because we all have that idea in our heads of where we come from but that's just I hate to say it but like I know that it's a snapshot and mm-hmm. the world moves on you know like things don't just stay stagnant people keep going you know like our families have kept going he has kept like changing evolving so it's a little you know it's a little sad because that that idea I also think that way I think that idea of what our families and homes look like is just a snapshot of when we came Mm. so I think I don't know I've never I've never gone back so I don't know like that emotion of realizing that that place in your head doesn't exist anymore is something that I really want to ask our speaker just because how do you deal with those emotions like I I feel like that would destroy me you know like (laughs) um, my my family's house is looking different like my family being different not knowing anything like I don't know like I don't know how I would deal with those emotions and that's something that I really want to you know ask her and, and see how she feels even speaking Spanish I feel like I don't know I feel so so scared to talk Spanish because it's like some of my Spanish has has been lost like it's not as fluent as I would like it to be in conversations sometimes so yeah just even thinking about stuff like that or I know that the whole idea of like yeah it's like so overplayed but being put in a spot like where that kind of comes true is a little bit scary no yeah and I think even on the concept of language like I mean this could even be its own episode like we speak a version of Spanish that that's yeah. a snapshot of like when we came like the language the language has changed like I've 
spoken to like my cousins and family over there and they use different words different slang like oh it's so sad that nothing ever stays stationary but like even the language mm -hmm. is different from when we came like I always say like I speak like a 2003 like Mexican Spanish like <laughs> the things that you saw like on Rebelde and like those telenovelas like that's still the way like my family speaks but that's not the way like my extended family in Mexico speaks so even like our language is different like and I guess our mm -hmm. communities here have found a way to expand on the language that they had when they came but I mean even back home like things change and you know both like governments and society and the language evolves and you know it's just a lot of emotions with like you know things changing it's a little sad I remember I I, I tried applying for advanced parole one time right before the government shut it down so I think I was thinking about all that stuff like I was gonna go mm -hmm. see my my grandpa before he died they shut the program down so unfortunately like I didn't get to go but even like those emotions of like um things are different now like was still like a little sad yeah no it's it's tough and it sucks because a lot of this is also very like I guess timely a lot of things could happen over there and like if you don't get approved in time or like if they deny you and mm -hmm. yeah it's just a lot but should we welcome our guest and talk to her a little bit about her experience Yeah, of course. Super excited to get to speak with her. Just a little introduction, and she'll also introduce herself. Magdalena Camillo. I've known her for a really, really long time. We met in high school. Super happy that she's on. She'll do a full introduction for herself, but very happy to have her on the show. All right, everyone, we are back with our guest, Magdalena Olivo. Magdalena, how are you? I'm doing good, Carlos. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and I'm and I'm really excited to talk to you guys. Oh yeah, of course. We're super happy to have you on. For those listeners who don't really know, Madalena and I have known each other for a really, really long time. Different cities now, but just excited to get to talk to you about your experience, both like your migration story, your development to where you are now, but also you did go to Mexico on advanced parole, right? I did. I went last year, the year 2022. I was able to go during the summer. And sadly, my trip was a little short, a shorter than what I wanted. But yeah, advanced parole did get me the opportunity to even go at all, which is very amazing. Yeah, no, I'm super, super happy for you. To start off, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your migration story growing up in Phoenix and just a little bit about you? Yeah, of course. So a little bit about me is, so my name is Magdalena. Again, thank you for having me on. I was born in Michoacán, Mexico. In Mexico, there's like a little town in Michoacán called Turicuaro. And so that is where I was born. And so I wasn't there very long. My family decided to migrate to the United States when I was nine months old. And so at nine months old, you know, they made that journey across the border and I ended up in Phoenix. So in Phoenix, that's where I was raised up and up until that point, nine months to in my 20s. I would say Phoenix is kind of my hometown. It's where I grew up. It's where I recognize the streets. It's where I know the locals. And yeah, I just have a lot of fond memories there. So that's kind of a little bit of my origin story and my connection to Mexico and my family over there. It's been a while since I've been back. I, I don't know anyone. So when I went back, it was kind of like, oh, wow, like, I didn't I wasn't expecting anything and I think that was a really nice way to enter my home my hometown. I didn't know that you were from Michoacan so we're twinsies. I'm from Samora Michoacan. Oh. Uh, and it's always so cool finding people from Michoacan because I feel like in Arizona mostly everyone is from Sonora. So Sonora, it's yeah. so it's a little hard to find people who are from different parts of of Mexico. 
Wow, that's so cool. Michoacan, raise up, let's go. Magdalena, I know you touched a little on the point of not having a lot of expectations going back. What, what did you mean by that? I kind of meant it as like, I grew up in an indigenous household, you know, to simply put it that way. I kind of knew that whatever Mexico was portraying through the media and like the mainstream culture of Mexico wouldn't be something that I was going to be like completely relate to. And so knowing that and knowing that like I come from an indigenous community and like a very small pueblo, I knew that it was going to be different. And so I didn't know what that meant. I wasn't sure like what it really looked like. There's not a lot of Google images that you can kind of search up and Google Maps, you know, they haven't touched that territory yet either. So it was kind of like, okay, it's going to be rural for sure. But I have family there. And I think that made it really easy for me to not feel nervous and to not feel like, oh, man, like, what am like, what is it going to be? What's it going to like, am I going to be safe? Like, I did not have those thoughts at all. I just knew that once I get there, like, I'll feel kind of at peace or at home. And I know you like touched a little bit about this, but I think it's like super important to kind of say and also like touch on a little more that idea of, you know, like the Mexico representative popular media versus like what you experienced growing up. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, my family is Purepicha. Also, I think like a lot of like Spanish textbooks will say Tarasco or Tarascan, but us Purepicha or Purepicha people would just go or refer to as Purepicha. And so within the community, it's mostly populated in Michoacan. And so what's really cool was when I did go to Michoacan, the big city that I like landed in was Morelia. So when I landed in Morelia, what was really interesting is that like I kind of overheard a few people speaking like Purepicha, like the language. And I thought that was really interesting because I was like, wait, I thought that was just like my family, like my cousin's cousins. Like I thought it was like a smaller group um, originally where now I realize I realize how big Michoacan is and how big that like culture is and like how many different communities who are Purepicha are right there and how many of them were even able to spread around throughout Michoacan, uh, surrounding Michoacan, and then into the United States, I was able to kind of recognize that. So it's been really cool to find more of that kind of everywhere and finding little pieces of like Purepecha culture and not just like mainstream Mexican culture. Mainstream Mexican culture, what I mean by that is sort of like Kind of like speaking Spanish is already one of them. And then the food is also very different. It's like Spaniard inspired and, and different parts of Mexico. They're all very different as well. So not to overgeneralize either, but kind of the media that you get in America of Mexico is overgeneralized for sure. It's for sure overgeneralized. And when you were here, like in Phoenix, did you experience a lot of differences maybe between like other Mexican folks like from different like states or even if you ha knew anyone else from Michoacan like did you notice any differences between between each other? Yeah, I think there were some cultural differences that I wasn't like kind of used to. So for instance, like my family's my family doesn't really speak Spanish like that. Like their Spanish is very minimal. And so because of that, my Spanish is also not the best. It's like fourth grade level at best. And so when I was like meeting people who are like from Mexico, we did have that in common. I also noticed that, wow, but your family will eat different foods that are a little bit more northern. Like there's a lot more northern Mexicans living in Phoenix specifically. And so their food's a little bit more different. They're a little bit more centralized on speaking Spanish and then more Catholic, like a little bit more Catholic than what I'm used to because my family is very into like herbs and also into like tarot reading and into like cleansing and a little bit more on like the natural side of things like 
holistically trying to cure ailments instead of, you know, going to a Catholic church and praying it away. So that was like one of the main ones that I've noticed when I came back to the United States from Mexico. And I think growing up in Phoenix, did, did you feel like, I don't, I don't want to say prepared, but I think, did, did you feel like ready to visit back home? Like, was there a process that you went through like emotionally to prepare for going back home? Or do you feel like since you had like no expectations of what it was going to be like that, you know, like you were good to go? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I think I was trying today to kind of place myself back in time before I went to Mexico. Like what I what was I thinking and like what was I feeling and what was I feeling nervous about? Because the whole process itself was already difficult, like just the paperwork and then the waiting and then the amount of money that like I spent was already hard that the emotional part of it too was kind of something that I didn't realize would affect me so much once I got there or the closer I would get to going to the trip. To answer your question, one thing that I was kind of thinking about a lot and trying to prepare myself for is sort of the family ties. You know, I was really nervous to see a lot of like my family members who got deported when they were living in the United States. Like that was something that I had to like emotionally prepare for. Like, what would I do once I saw them? Would they recognize me? Will I recognize them? Like so much time has passed that me seeing them in this small Pueblo, like in the small Pueblo, like how am I going to feel? Because they are overworked. You know, like the truth is like these people are working very long hours. They're working like at a different town that they leave for like days at a time and I was just kind of mentally preparing like the emotions that I would have once I saw them so that was one of them and then the other one is also having family members who know a lot about my family but I have no idea they saw my parents grow up they saw my grandparents you know live there and so they know more than I did and they have stories they have like cheese they have all of these things that I was like okay I'm going to go into the space where everyone knows me, but I don't know them. And I'm, that's going to be overwhelming. You know, people are going to recognize me or know whose daughter I am. And I'm not going to know who they are. And I had to like also prepare myself like, okay, what do I do in these situations? Like these people are, are going to treat me like they've known me forever. And I have to also follow that same energy. So that one I was also like kind of preparing myself for too. Those ones were kind of the main ones. Do you have any like stories of that actually happening when you went back? I always also think about that, like when my parents tell me like, oh, do you remember this person? Or like, te mandaron a saludar. And I'm like, I have no picture in my head of who they are. Like, I don't remember. So yeah, like once you were actually there, how like did that happen? And like, how did you react to it? And like, how did you interact with them? Yeah, I was staying with a few family members, luckily, when I was out there who I did like recognize. And one of them was like an uncle who was deported. And it was my grandpa's brother. So my great uncle, and they look so similar, that like, of course, the overall family, like the nieces and nephews are also going to look very similar to like my family back home. And so I think my reaction when I got there was like, wow, like, no, everybody looks the same. Like I was tripping for nothing. Like everyone looks the same. Everyone sounds the same. I can like recognize what everyone is saying because it's the language I grew up hearing. So I was like, wow, this is a little bit more seamless. I felt a little bit more relaxed once I got there and I saw their face and I was like, oh, wow, like I feel good. They're happy to see me. They're at peace to see me. I also feel good. Like I made it to Turicuaro, that little small town safe. And I think at that point, that's what we were all feeling like, wow, she got here safely. And so that was really sweet. 
And an example that I like, that I really, really kind of hold to my heart and a memory I hold to my heart of that kind of one reaction that kind of caught me off guard was seeing a different uncle. So it was my grandmother's brother this time, another great uncle who was deported. And I kept missing him. I was there in my town for a week and he just like, we kept missing each other. Like he was like, oh, I'm here. Where are you? I'm like, oh, I went somewhere else. Sorry. Like I'll be back. And we just kept missing each other. And I kind of surprised him. They're like, hey, he's here for dinner. Like before he leaves to go work again, like come by, like come see him. And I came and he didn't recognize me. And I was like, dude, come on. You lived with me for like five years. You didn't recognize me. And once I talked, he like, he was like, oh my gosh, you know, he remembered. And I got so emotional because he aged, you know, he aged so much since the last time I saw him. And I was getting like, I'm getting emotional right now. I was getting so emotional when I saw him. He was like older, skinnier, had a little bit more gray hair. And so it just reminded me like how much time has passed and how much these people think about us, you know, like they think about us every day. They have, they had a picture of me on the door, like on one of their bedroom doors. And I'm like, wow, like these people, like they're, they're thinking, you know, of us, all, all of our family is like thinking of us every day, you know, while we're out here working in the United States. <laughs> And then I also wanted to ask a little bit about what that was like when you came back. Did you like stay in contact with with more people now that you, you know, like were reintroduced with them? And what were, what were the emotions like when you you like uh, flew back to I think it was L.A., right? Yeah. So the program or how I even ended up in Mexico was through a program called the California Mexico Dreamer Study Abroad Program. And so with that program they made it a point to like spend a week with them after your trip. That was like kind of part of the program. You had to be with them for a week. And throughout that week, it was kind of therapy. It was therapy of to process like how your trip went to process like these emotions that you're now going through. Cause a lot of people like, you know, every experience um, going back to your hometown for the first time is different. And so they knew that and, and they really invested it time into making sure that we were feeling okay and that we were feeling heard and that we were getting the opportunity to talk to others who were also going through the same experience to kind of let it out because it was very emotional once I left my hometown it was it was emotional I didn't know when I was going to return I didn't know when I would go back when I would see these people again and like my family and everyone who's there and I didn't really know how to process any of that, especially because my trip was cut short. I was only there for a week, not enough time for sure. And that week that they gave us, I was able to talk like about it a lot. I was able to talk about it and say it out loud and express my emotions out loud. So when I came home and saw my parents, I wasn't going to be like an emotional wreck because I feel like if I did come home and I was like emotional in front of them, I think that would hurt them a little bit. And so I wanted to be able to kind of come home with like a fresh perspective that like I have faith I will go back I'm not scared that I'm not gonna go back I'm not gonna think that way and I'm gonna also hope that as long as I stay in contact with them they're gonna remain healthy they'll tell me if anything's up I did keep everyone's like whatsapp number and just in case they want to like talk to me and so I gained a whole new contact list of family members to keep in touch with and a lot of ones that i 
didn't even hear about or have ever met that they like, let's say like held me for a little bit. And like, they just remembered they thought I was a cute baby, you know, some like neighbor. So people like that I have now in my contacts, and they do call random times of day, just to see what I'm doing, just to see how I'm doing in school. So yeah, sorry, that felt a little bit all over the place. I was trying to answer your question as well. And processing all the like memories I'm like flooding back to me. No, that's beautiful. I'm so happy that you know, you're still in contact with them and that you gained such a breadth of, of of people that you met over there that you're still in contact with. Like, I'm oh, I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much. So, yeah, I, I am very grateful that I did have like the time to kind of deep, like kind of debrief everything that was happening and, and come home feeling like, OK, I feel good. Like I, I talked about my emotions. I, I kind of dealt with what I was seeing and what I was feeling. And yeah, those all those complicated feelings I was able to kind of gather them while I was still in Mexico, which was really nice. I did want to ask that just because I think for people who are barely applying and, you know, getting ready to make that trip or if they're deciding to to go through that, like, I think as much as the logistical side of things, like the paperwork, the the money, the program, that's a thing, but also preparing yourself emotionally. So I can't even imagine like the process it took, but also super proud and happy that they were able to help you debrief. And, you know, before you came back, like, uh, making sure that you were okay. Yeah. And, and I got very lucky in my experience. I think in my experience, I got, ve- I was very fortunate that it was seamless, that I got there safely, that I left safely, that I was able to kind of travel around kind of swiftly because you hear other people's stories and it's not exactly like that. You know, like there are, you know, some parts of Mexico where it's closed off. You can't go in. It's like occupied by, you know, someone It's by occupied by like a cartel and so they can't go into their hometown or it's just a sad story where you're getting turned away and so you have to figure out where to go like where else to go and figure it out from there and so I I feel fortunate that I was even able to go to my hometown and to even like meet everyone and to see everyone. I know you said that you spoke with like a lot of people through that program that also were able to go back home I think do you have like any advice or Anything you want to say to people who are, I guess, like thinking about applying or thinking about making that trip? Um, anything that you learned or you know, any like wisdom that you want to share with us? Oh, yeah, of course. I would say that if you have the opportunity to go back home, definitely take it. Definitely like don't be afraid to have the right to go to your own hometown. Like you have the right to go. And if you have the right to go, like you should go. You should definitely go. I do think that definitely research what's going on in in your hometown, if that's like what your goal is at the end of the day. If it's just to go to Mexico and you just want to go to Mexico somewhere for funsies like Oaxaca or like some cool beach town, like for sure go it, but um, go for it. But if a part of it is to go to your hometown, definitely research what's going on, hear from your family members, see what the like daily living is like over there and, and see how where you are in life and how you can better prepare yourself for that experience whatever that is whether you're like staying somewhere really hot or somewhere really cold or in the middle of nowhere in the city I think it's really important to prepare yourself like environmentally what you're going to be expecting and I think from there you'll be able to feel familiar with what you're getting yourself into and once you kind of feel familiar with what you're getting yourself into everything else falls into place but i think fear is what's making a lot of people stop or stop themselves from going onto these trips to go back home 
I really think the fear should be put away and we should go. I think as many of us, if we can all go back, like, let's just go and and do it because our parents don't have that opportunity to go or some of our parents don't. A lot of family members that like are missing us or they want to see us, they want to see our face and life's too short to not take that chance to just go meet them or just to go see them. It's once you're there, you're like, dang, wow, this is crazy. It's such a surreal feeling. And I think I don't know how to describe it in words besides like, just do it. Just do it because you'll you'll get that feeling as well. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm gonna go do it. <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about going? I have with a different program than what you did. Um, But uh-huh. it's one of the people that started the program, she did her own thing. So I might maybe in August. But yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah. What's uh, how come you've been like waiting a little bit to, or why this time? It seems like a better time before I start school, because I probably won't be able to do it within the next three years since I'll be busy. So I think before I start school, I'll probably try to do it. Yes, I think it'll be so fun. And I think too, yeah, it's just good to know where we're from. It's just good to know to see, you know, the people that raised our families and, and to see why our families are the way they are. You know, I think that's also very important and, and a very healing journey too. And to come home with like the energy that like, look, I went to Mexico. I know your childhood. Like I know like these things about, you now. you know, it makes it feel like you're now an extension of Mexico when you come home to your parents. Like they feel it. They feel the difference. And one of the things that Carlos and I were talking offline is that also if you have the opportunity to go because maybe you came without a legal entry, like if you're able to go on advanced parole now, once you come back, that counts as a legal entry. I was telling Carlos that I have a cousin who, you know, plans to get married. So she applied to advanced parole to go visit my grandma. And then once she comes back, she'll have that legal entry. So her process to get a green card through marriage will be like a hundred times easier so if you're in that situation I definitely like recommend looking into it and seeing if it's a possibility for you you know just to have that just because you never know like if in the future you're able to get married or like fix your papers another way it'll just be better if you have if it's a little bit easier because the process on its own is already such it's so exhausting that that will hopefully make it go a little faster and yeah, just overall, definitely look into it if it's something that you weren't aware of before. It's so true. It's so true. That was honestly the like biggest reason why I even pushed this trip sooner and sooner. I was like, I don't know how long DACA will be around. I don't know how long Advanced Pro will be around. I'm just going to go now while I have the chance because I was I had an illegal entry. And so, yeah, I before I went to Mexico, I was like, yep, uh, I got to go back to Mexico somehow and come back again. That doesn't make sense. So now that I have legal entry, it has made obtaining a green card a little bit more of a seamless, less stressful event now. Yeah, definitely like took this weight off my shoulder. So if you're able to do that, I would definitely recommend it. I feel a little bit more prepared now. And going through immigration wasn't as scary as I thought. So, you know, nothing to be intimidated about. They're not very scary people. Can we actually talk about that a little? I think that's a big part of the fear for people. What was that process like, like coming back in? Yeah. So, okay. Leaving, you can leave. No one cares. No one cares if you leave, right? No one says anything. They're like, yeah, go to Mexico. I don't care. No one does anything (laughs) when you're leaving. But yeah, coming back was terrifying because you don't know if these people are allowed to like hold you. They're allowed to hold you. They're allowed to keep you there. And that's like the annoying part. But I think if you come in, 
with your proper paperwork with everything in hand one thing that was like made through the program that i went to that they made sure is that you have this little folder of possibly any document you will need when coming back to the us and so I was one of the unfortunate people who had to be held back a little bit. I was actually the last one to enter back into the US with the group. It was like 20 of us and everyone's going through the line. You know, we get put into a waiting room and we're all sitting, you know, Maria gets called. Carlos gets called. All these names get called and I'm the last one just sitting there like Ooh, like this is so scary. Like, why is no one calling my name? It's been like 20 minutes. And I just went up and I and I talked to the officer and I was like, hey, just wanted to see what's up. And they're like, oh yeah, no worries. We're just like processing your paperwork. That's all. It's just like finding your information on the computer. And I was like, all right, hope they don't find anything weird. I'm like thinking like I'm gonna get arrested, even though I've committed no crimes. I'm like, it's over, it's done. They found out, they found out everything. They know my secrets. And I'm like, what secrets? There's none. I'm just thinking worst case scenario. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you're good to go. Here you go. Hope you had fun in Mexico. And I was like, wow, okay. The Mexican airport was actually scarier than the American like immigration system. Like the Mex Mexico airport, my gosh. They were questioning me. They did not want me to enter the U.S. at all. They were a little bit scarier. Mexico, I would say, be a little bit more prepared. Be confident because those employees at the airport will try to make it hard for you to get on that plane back to the U.S. Yeah, they were like, you have a Mexican passport. And I'm like, yeah, I'm flying to the U.S. though. They're like, you grew up in the, U the U.S.? I was like, yeah, I did. And he was like, show proof then. And I was like, this is my address. So I gave him my address. And he was like, go to that lady, talk to her. So then I go to the, a different lady, like a different checkpoint. And she's like, so what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm here for a school program. I'm explaining the situation for like the third time. And she's like, but you have a Mexican passport. And I was like, okay. And they're like, and you're speaking Spanish. I was like, like, do you want me to speak English? Like, I'll speak English to you if this proves that I like I come from the US, I'm coming from the US. And so once I started speaking English, she was kind of more convinced. She was like, okay, fine, you can go. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Like, <laughs> wow. It was so I went through four different people trying to get on onto the plane back to the US. But once I landed in the US, immigration was pretty fast. They were like very nice people, weirdly enough. Nice officers, you know, they're just workers. they I bet they don't even want to be there. They're just working, you know, <laughs> just making a stamp. That's wild that the Mexican customs was tougher than the U.S. ones. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those, yeah, the peeps over there. Yeah, so that was my experience. But some people, they just went through seamless, you know. It was just me. I was like, people are just giving me a hard time right now. We got through it. I came back. I'm in my bedroom <laughs> in Los Angeles. I'm here. Well, then, if it's okay with you, we're going to link the the program um in the description of the episode and maybe some other programs that people can apply to to maybe like do the same kind of trip that you did so we'll like link all that stuff in the description if anyone wants to apply please consult you know the california Mexico study center or whichever program you choose to apply through and i'm happy that you were able to like tell us about your experience and stuff just because you know a lot of people are afraid of of applying yeah definitely no fear no fear in trying I mean, I will say it's a little bit whack that it's like almost $600. I think the exact amount is like $575 just to apply. And that doesn't guarantee you even get in. You just, you know, that's just a piece of paper that you're paying for. Um, but definitely it is doable. It is something that you can do yourself. And with the support of organizations, that it's, it's very doable.
-hmm. as intimidating as it is, they won't get to us. But I'm so proud of you. I'm super happy that you were on the show. And thank you so much um, for me and from Karina as well, for being so vulnerable with us, for being so open and for telling us all your experiences. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being on. Love you. Love you. Much love to everybody. Thank you. And I appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, I think this was definitely an episode that we had been wanting to do for a really long time. And just hearing from you, even like, you know, for folks who aren't able to to apply for advanced parole, I think as you were sharing your story, like all the emotions were just running through my body, like imagining myself in that position. Um, so yeah, it's just really cool seeing like other undocumented people being able to like go back and thrive. And hopefully in the future, that's you know, an opportunity that can be open for everyone else. It will be, you know, it will yes. be. Yes. In our <laughs> lifetime, it will happen. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. You know, we'll find a way. We'll do a, a group trip. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> at the same day, same shopping. weekend. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Migrants on Air is a Fuerte Network production in association with Orona Multimedia. I really want to thank everyone involved in the making of this episode. Our hosts, Karina Dominguez and myself, our guests, Magdalena uh, Olivo, uh, graphics by Karina Dominguez, and our theme song is Crazy Like That by Lo-Fi. Production and editing were done by Dani Orona, but also please follow us on Spotify for this and all other Fuerte content, and also make sure to log on to Fuerte.org and sign up for our mailing list. But again, muchas gracias, thank you so much, y hasta la próxima. Bye, everyone. Thank you.